Hi everyone, and welcome to our latest Risk and Regulation Rundown podcast. I'm Andrew Strange, your regular host, and as last month, we're recording this remotely, so please note that it might impact on the sound quality. In today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by HM Treasury as we discuss how the regulatory framework develops in a post-Brexit world. Today's guests are Leo Rourke, Senior Policy Advisor for the Future Regulatory Framework at Treasury, and Conor McManus, a director in our Regulatory Insights team, who helps our clients understand regulatory developments. So, first of all, there are numerous moving parts to the UK's future approach to regulation in financial services. We've seen publications from Treasury, obviously legislation from the government, plus the views of the PRA and the FCA need to be considered too. So to start with, Lee, do you want us to provide a brief overview of what Treasury is proposing in the future regulatory framework? Hi, thanks, Andrew. It's uh, great to be with you today. It's great to have the opportunity to discuss our future regulatory framework review. Um, so uh, essentially what the review is about is, uh, is, is, is dealing with uh, the issue of what needs to happen to our regulatory framework now that we've left the EU. Um, as everyone will know, that our regulatory regime has operated as part of the EU single market for many years. Um, the EU has taken on increasing responsibility for financial services regulation uh, and our framework has had to accommodate that. But now that we've left the EU, there's a really important job to do of working out how the policy and regulatory functions exercised by the EU will operate in a UK regime which sits outside of the EU. Um, Really importantly, the government also believes that this is a really good opportunity to review our overall approach to regulation and ensure we have a framework which is right for the UK, uh, which will support a stable, uh, open and globally competitive financial sector far into the future. Um, so, so basically, uh, the, the, the model that's proposed by this review um, uh, aims to move away from the EU model of regulation. And that's a model which relies an awful lot on having a lot of prescriptive detail in legislation. Um, and that's something that could be quite problematic uh, because it leaves you with quite uh, an inflexible regime, uh, one that's difficult to update and, and isn't very responsive to changing market conditions. Um, and essentially, the review uh, proposes to move back to the regulatory model that was introduced by the Financial Services and the Markets Act, uh, which I'm sure many of your listeners will be familiar with. And that's a very um, straightforward model. And um, basically, government and parliament set the institutional framework. So FISMA establishes the regulators, uh, sets out their remits, the powers and objectives. Uh, government and parliament uh, decide uh, which financial services activities should be regulated. And then, very importantly, uh, the job of designing and implementing uh, regulatory requirements is delegated to uh, in independent and expert regulators uh, under that model. Um, but really importantly, the review doesn't propose just going back to that model, but enhancing it. Um, and it proposes that uh, government and parliament have a greater strategic role in setting the policy framework within which the regulators operate. Um, and, and, and the aim is to do that by introducing new policy framework legislation uh, for key areas of financial services uh, activity. And this will allow politicians to have a greater strategic say in what key areas of regulation need to achieve uh, and, and, and crucially the, the important public policy issues that the regulators should have to think about when they're designing regulatory requirements. And then I'll just finish by saying that obviously this model uh, entails quite a high level of responsibility for regulators so it's really important that the review examines how regulators are accountable, how their work is scrutinised and, and really importantly how stakeholders can have their say in the regulators uh, policy making process. 
Thanks, Lee. Um, that's really interesting. And there's a lot to unpick there, which I think we, we'll do over the course of this podcast. Uh, and as you say, quite rightly, FISMA is a, a really popular read for many of our listeners. Um, but there is also the FS bill, which is a larger neighbour of these changes, too. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the purpose of that as well, please? Sure. So um, while the Future Regulatory Framework Review aims to deal with how the framework should operate over the long term, uh, the government, of course, is still responsible for the UK regulatory regime and has to manage that regime. It's a top priority for ministers to make sure the regime uh, remains up to date, uh, that the UK continues to meet its international obligations, and that we make important adaptations for the UK regime to work well now that we have left the EU. So the bill contains uh, a range of important short-term measures that, that need to be uh, implemented. Um, where possible, um, some of those measures, such as uh, the uh, measures which uh, implement the new Basel uh, three uh, international standards, um, where possible, those uh, measures are uh, implemented in a way which is consistent with the approach that we've set out in the uh, FRF review. So to summarise, basically, the bill does what, what needs to be done to keep our regime up to date and, and, and operating effectively in the short term. And the FRF examines how long term we will, we will uh, make financial services policy uh, and introduce uh, new regulation. Thanks, Lee. That's, that's really uh, helpful and quite comprehensive. So, I mean, Connor, if we take some of Lee's points there and we think about this from a firm's perspective, how do you feel that the new framework is going to be different for our clients? How's it going to feel different for them? Uh, and what are the messages you've actually been hearing from our clients? Well, I think just taking the latter part of your question first, um, the overall feedback that I've had from clients on the proposals has been, has been very positive, both in terms of the substance but also the level of engagement that the Treasury has, has done around the topic. I mean, I think there's a, a general recognition that um, uh, delegating rulemaking powers down to the regulators was, was the pragmatic uh, option, uh, something that the industry has been advocating for some time. But the idea of them taking into account broader public policy objectives, I think, has also landed very well. Um, in terms of what will feel different for firms. I mean, clearly, they are very familiar with uh, engaging with UK regulators uh, and their rule book. Um, but I think, you know, clearly, that's going to be an even more important relationship. And I think the point that Lee made around this being an opportunity for the UK to really fundamentally reassess its approach to regulation is a really important one. You know, I think there certainly is scope to use this as an opportunity to make the UK's regulatory framework more accessible and I think that's a really important topic for the sector to engage in. I'd certainly agree that there are lots of really positive aspects to this and, and it could be a real force for change for good but the, the cynic in me always worries about the downsides of these things too. Uh, does the proposed framework um, uh, have any particular challenges for our clients? I know you and I have discussed independence at, at some length but there must be some concerns that are, are filtering through too. Yeah, I mean, so that, that, that point on independence is obviously a, a really important one. And I think was one that was discussed at the Treasury Select Committee uh, with the CEO and chair of the FCA recently. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, clearly everybody recognises that having independent regulators is a real asset for the UK, one that needs to be preserved. Um, I mean, I think in terms of other challenges, you know, clearly there's a bandwidth issue for the regulators. They are going to have a lot more policy making to do uh, under the, the new framework and they're going to have to resource that. 
And I think, you know, the point that Lee made around understanding the impact of regulation is, is a really important one. And, it, you know, it's, it's something that's not, it's not easy. Um, and, you know, I think it will be a challenge both for the regulators, but also the sector to properly articulate and understand the impact of regulation on those various public policy objectives that they'll be looking at. Thanks, Connor. So, so Lee, I think there are some some valid concerns that have been put forward there by Connor, certainly around bandwidth and resources and, and impact and the interaction with that public policy agenda. Um, what sort of response do you have to that from Treasury? How, how do you think you're going to be able to overcome some of those challenges? Uh, thanks, Andrew. Well, I hope I can be quite reassuring on those two particular challenges. Um, so, so one of the reasons that ministers think moving back to the FISMA model and enhancing the FISMA model is the right choice for the UK is that um, uh, the role of independent reg regulators is central to the way the FISMA model operates. Uh, and ministers are determined to ensure that the independence of the regulators won't be compromised. Um, what we're proposing with new regulatory principles is not greater political control over what the regulators do, but just making sure that, that uh, elected politicians have an appropriate say in saying what the regulators must consider when they're designing regulatory standards. And crucially, uh, that the regulators are fully transparent in explaining how they've thought through those issues. But at the end of the day, the policy judgments on, on the standards uh, and the requirements that will be needed will still be uh, a judgment for the regulators uh, to make. Um, and then on, on, on the resources of the regulators, um, I, I think it's it's definitely right to acknowledge that whilst we're not expanding the remit of the, the regulators under this model, uh, they will of course take on more work and more responsibility in, in exercising greater policy discretion within those uh, existing remits. Um, but what's important to remember about that is we, we already have well-established uh, large uh, internationally active regulators who are well resourced uh, and in particular the regulators have had to think carefully in recent years about making sure they're adequately resourced to deal with the consequences of Brexit. So we think the regulators are well placed to take on the, the level of responsibility that's proposed by the review. Thank you, Lee. And, and that resource point, I think, is interesting. I mean, arguably at the moment, certainly from the FCA uh, um, in the latter part of, uh, of this year, we've seen a number of delays on particular issues. So things like the duty of care proposals, which have been deferred till 2021. We've seen other activities such as the exit fees and platforms actually um, removed altogether from workflows. So, so clearly they are reacting in some, to some extent with that resource point. But one of the other things that sort of uh, occurred to me was that one of the risks I could see is that with, with the new objectives being set on a, an activity-specific initiative, so you know, regulators creating a UK version of Solvency 2, for example, is there a risk here that regulators will focus less on those kind of rulebook-specific initiatives, so things like vulnerable customers where there isn't sort of underlying rulebook, or that platforms piece as well? Uh, it, it, do we think we're going to see less of that kind of activity and more of a focus on those specific areas of activity that, that they're, they're tasked with dealing with? Thanks, Edward. That, that's a really important point, actually. So, so the new activity-specific regulatory principles are obviously intended to set out uh, important issues that the regulators must think about that are specifically related to that particular area of activity or regulation. But crucially, uh, ministers aren't proposing to change the overall statutory objectives, which uh, inform everything the regulators do. So, for instance, the objectives around safety and soundness of firms, um, market integrity or consumer protection uh, will stay in place. Ministers think those are the right overall objectives. 
uh, and will continue to give the regulators the right focus uh, for what they need to achieve uh, in a broad sense uh, with their regulatory responsibilities. I can certainly see a logic that says if it isn't broken, don't fix it. But equally, you know, the, F the FCA came into being in 2013. It got concurrent competition powers in 2015. So those overarching objectives haven't actually changed in a number of years. And certainly if I think about the, you know, the market over the last 10 years, and you think about you know, stuff like AI or crypto and things, it is quite a different world that we're operating in nowadays. Do you think maybe this is a missed opportunity to have changed some of those objectives? Uh, thanks. Yeah, how how those objectives operate within the regulatory framework is a really important issue, actually, and, and this is acknowledged in, in the consultation document. So, although ministers aren't proposing to change those objectives, they have been examined, and you know, uh, as ministers are responsible for the overall regulatory framework, they will always uh, keep those objectives under review. But ministers concluded that those objectives remain the right overall objectives. Uh, but actually, we think in practice they will be strengthened by the introduction of specific regulatory principles. So we can deal with uh, emerging issues. So, for instance, you, you, you mentioned the, the rapid development of, of, of business models and, and, and new activity in the fintech and, and payment spaces. Uh, new specific regulatory principles for those areas of activity can ensure that the regulators are thinking about the right issues. Uh, but are still focused on the overall important objectives of things like financial stability and consumer protection. Thanks, Lee. Uh, and as you say, this is a consultation. So is this a, a one and done consultation? What, what's the sort of future timeline of, of activity for, for, for Treasury on this? Um, thanks. Yeah. So, so obviously, given given the breadth of the subject matter for this review, the, the overall regulatory framework and, and, and the range of stakeholders that will be affected by it, this is intended to be a, a long term review. The review actually started almost a couple of years ago now, uh, and the first phase dealt with the more specific issue of, of, of coordination between the UK's regulatory authorities. Um, the second phase, which deals with uh, the broader uh, regulatory framework issues, uh, is kicked off by this consultation. So this is the first consultation uh, of the second phase. Uh, that will conclude uh, early uh, next year. Um, this first consultation deals with the overall approach, but doesn't intend to solve every specific uh, policy challenge uh, for the future framework. Um, and, and once ministers have considered the views uh, uh, submitted as part of this first consultation, uh, ministers will then issue a second consultation, uh, which will contain a more detailed package of final proposals uh, and also set out how uh, the, the approach is intended to be delivered, uh, how we'll tra transition to the future framework. Uh, and that consultation will be issued sometime in 2021. Thanks, Lee. So, Connor, that's the first consultation of the second phase before we go into the second consultation looks at the transition. So it's going to be a quiet year for firms then? Well, I think 2021 is certainly looking like a, you know, a very busy year from a regulatory perspective. And I, I think, you know, as you alluded to earlier, Andrew, the regulators are, uh, are starting to, to react to that. You know, we saw, we saw some announcements this week in, in terms of delays for CRR2 and IFR. Uh, in the UK, which I think is a, is a consequence of um, the amount of pressure that the sector is under from, from a regulatory perspective. Um, and actually, I think the, the response from the, the authorities shows the importance of that first phase of this review that Lee just mentioned. And you know, the regulatory grid, which is now being published, uh, was, was you know, the mechanism by which 
uh, firms fed back on the amount of change we're, we're going to see next year and, and resulted in, in in a policy response. So I think, you know, that's a positive um, positive implication of the review that the Treasury is undertaking. Yeah, thank you both. That, that was a really useful discussion, actually. G- given the pressures that are faced by firms at the moment, as we say, in terms of regulatory volume and uh, the Brexit transition ending and obviously addressing the, the, the COVID issue, I think it's great to see that Treasury and PwC are, are working to highlight these important changes. Um, as always with our podcasts, though, is there, is there one kind of key message you'd like to leave with firms as a takeaway for what this means for them or why they should all engage with the consultation process? Uh, Lee, I will start with you. Uh, thanks, Andrew. Uh, well, I suppose that the, the, the first thing I'd like to get across is is that uh, you know um, getting firms to engage with this review is is really important. Um, you know, th- this is a review which will set the overall regulatory approach for a, a long time to come. So, it's really important that those who are subject to regulation, those who are affected by regulation, uh, get to have their say. And then, secondly, what I'd say is that whilst we've set out an overall approach, uh, you know, an overall model for regulation, uh, which relies on uh, standards being designed and implemented by expert independent regulators, obviously the level of responsibility that gives to those regulators means that how they're held to account and how they're scrutinised and, and how stakeholders engage with them is a really important issue. And we do need to ensure that the accountability and scrutiny arrangements that we have in the UK are up to the job. Uh, so it would be great if, 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 if those who are subject to regulation, um, firms that have to work with the regulators, think about how uh, the current arrangements work and whether they should be changed uh, or enhanced in any way. Thanks, Lee. Connor, what about you? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's clear that financial services uh, in the UK and, you know, across the globe are, is a, are at a really important juncture. I mean, you mentioned uh, Brexit and, and COVID, but there are a range of other challenges and opportunities, um, you know, technology change, uh, changing societal expectations, climate change, you know, a, a lot of issues that the sector is responding to. And having a, a regulatory framework in the UK, which is is fit for purpose, will be integral for the future success of the sector. So that just really reinforces the importance of, of this process. Um, uh, Treasury getting it right, and you know the sector engaging in a you know in a positive and proactive way. Yep, I agree entirely. Thank you both very much for your time today. Uh, I also hope you found this interesting and helpful. Please feel free to share this podcast with colleagues and subscribe to future episodes. And I'll be back next month with our next episode. Thank you.